Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby podcast. It's another one of our irregular episodes um, and what a time to be back recording on the eve of Scotland's do or die World Cup clash with our Celtic rivals and the world's number one ranked side Ireland. So the teams are out there's plenty of talking points um, but before we get into the nitty and gritty just a reminder that as always you can follow us on all the usual channels where we're likely to probably be more active in the coming weeks versus recording so make sure to check out Thistle Rugby Pod on Twitter and Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod on Instagram, where the memes have been flying, particularly thanks to Alan's newfound obsession with, with TikTok. <laughs> I, th- I think we, we also have a fantasy league, but I haven't looked at it once. I don't know if you're across that at all, Alan. Yeah, I'm 60th of about 400. Do we just want to state that Dave's voice hasn't suddenly become a little wine, a little bit whinier over the last three weeks. And actually well, yeah, you. I was. <laughs> thanks very much. I was um, going to get to that, and yeah, it's not as if I've just read that opening script line for line to make sure I get it right. Um, but yeah, Dave is away. I'm not sure where. What's he up to at the moment? Getting that tur- old turkey neck tuned up a little bit, something like that. Yeah, you've got to have sort of every three years have a bit of maintenance on it. So yeah, that yeah. Time, that's, that's that time I think again. He's in, I think he's in Bulgaria, some sort of rogue rogue surgeons. Um, but but yeah, so it's just the two of us today. Um, Alan, how how are you getting on, man? Have you uh have you recovered from our trip a few weeks ago to Nice for that Tonga match? Uh, it should be a little while actually. Um, and the the risk of flights being cancelled the the day after the match was a real sort of like element of fear that that wasn't needed. Sort of post a post sort of back to back nights out. Thankfully, obviously got home. Um. But no, it was good. I mean, Nice is just such like a great city. The match itself was quite average, I would say. There was never like, Tonga were never quite in the match enough for it to feel 
like there was enough jeopardy. And at the same time, Scotland weren't exactly blowing it out of the park. So it was kind of a broadly sort of comfortable, I'd say, average performance. But at the same time, it's like great city, great weather, pretty good stadium, pretty good, pretty nice little weekend all round. Yeah, I felt like the build up was the highlight. Um, particularly our sort of <laughs> our beach our beach lunch on the on the Sunday. Um, yeah. And you know a comfortable win in the end, but didn't shoot the lights out. And I think although Tonga put up a pretty good fight against South Africa and in bits and pieces against Ireland and Scotland, they've actually probably um, they, they're not actually that strong a side. So it wasn't exactly the best contest, but just great to see a bit of live live sport down in south of France, the big concrete jungle of the Nice Stadium. Um, can't really beat it. No, 100%. I guess the, the the fear is, and we'll sort of go into it, is has Tonga and Romania, given it's been a month, basically, right, since the South Africa match, has Tonga and Romania set, a, set Scotland up in a good place for this match against Ireland? Obviously, no injuries, but for since that South Africa match, match, probably haven't quite been tested even close to what will come tomorrow. Yeah, and I think in contrast to the way the games have landed for Ireland, their build-up seemed pretty much perfect in that respect. Like they they're allowed to peak for this game. Um, but, exactly. but yeah, so so for the, for for today, a little bit of a look at, at the lineups. Um, talk about the head-to-heads. Talk about where we think we could possibly win the match, and then and then a few predictions. So obviously the teams are out now. Um, a bit of a late lunch announcement as per from the SRU, which is really, I don't know, not exactly helping with pre-match nerves. Um, but we've got Kinghorn at fullback, Darcy Graham and, and Duhan on the wings, Hupelotu in the centre, um, Finn Russell and Ali Price reunited at halfback, uh, Schumann, Turner, Fagerson, Gray and Gilchrist in that front five, and then the now familiar back row of Ritchie, Darge and Dempsey. On the bench, Ashman, Sutherland, Nell cover the front row, and then Cummings, Figerson, and Crosby covering the back five, and George Horn, Ollie Smith are the back subs in a six-two split. Um, Alan, what were sort of the 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 main talking points in that? What really grabbed your attention about that announcement? I guess maybe so. Start with the back line. Ali Price. Was unexpected. I think we we obviously discussed it in our sort of WhatsApp group that clearly he was getting put forward for press, and it would seem strange to put Ali Price forward if he wasn't going to be involved. But just given the fact that Ben White, especially in the last twelve months, has been such a regular starter, and Horn is such a great impact player off the bench, I think I still thought that Ben White was the more likely choice to start. So seeing him on the pitch, you. Ultimately, he's a lion. He's got 65 caps, and his form's probably improved a little bit, especially on the sort of back end of the season and over the and during the preseason. But still, a little bit surprised to see him starting at nine. Yeah, I I agree. I was. It seems as if he's sort of come out of the in from the cold a little bit. Um, I wonder if Ben White, remember, picked up that I think ankle injury in the warm-ups against France, and he's not quite looked back to to his best since then so I wonder if there is just an element of of injury because I think if you were going purely on sort of form and recent game time then Horn might be the person to start but 
and another conversation we had on, on the WhatsApp group was Horn has only really played for Scotland off the bench in, in recent years. And particularly in those big matches, he's not started. So although there maybe is an argument for having his pace there from the start, it is probably quite a big ask to to expect him to sort of lead the team around the park against a team like Ireland, I guess. 100%. And I think ultimately his skill set and where his weaknesses, his, his strengths and his weaknesses are more suited to the final third than the first 50, especially against Ireland, where box kicks in particular are going to have to be on point throughout that sort of, especially first sort of 20, 30 minutes. And, and like, not the horns kind of bad, but probably of the three, he, that's where he's weaker, weakest. And then in terms of his strengths, clearly his speed support lines, kind of his ability to kind of inject energy into a match, he's clearly the strongest of those three. So I think ultimately, in my eyes, the choice was should always have been Price or White to start with Horn coming off the bench. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then I suppose elsewhere in the backs, there was quite a lot of chat about Stain maybe coming in for, for Darcy Graham, despite Darcy Graham's pretty decent showing against against Romania. Were you were you banging the drum for Stain or are you pretty happy to see Darcy there? Up until I'd say a week or two ago, I was probably team Stain. And I think probably the two things that have swayed me across to the Darcy Graham camp. One is just obviously him against Romania. And there is just certain things he can do, especially in <laughs> in small amounts of space that is actually sort of truly unique. And he obviously sort of demonstrated that, that he's still got that in, in the match against Romania. I appreciate they weren't particularly great. I think the sort of second one is that sort of switch from having to win to having to win by more than seven just, just slightly shifts the emphasis from attack to defence in terms of what we need to think about as a team. You know, clearly staying is... I'd say Stain's almost the most consistent player across 80 minutes, most consistent winger across 80 minutes between him, Duhan and Graham. But I think ultimately we're going to have to go out and probably score maybe plus 25 points. And I think actually that means we've got to have people like Graham and Duhan who ultimately are game changers and can create something out of nothing. So I think that shift just probably makes me value Graham's attacking abilities more than Stain's defensive and kind of consistency. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's probably a, a common theme across the selection overall that we've got to go out and try and win it. Um, and there are probably a few people on Twitter arguing for the likes of Harris to, to start and then Jones to come off the bench. But I think when you try to start containing Ireland, then you sort of get into a bit of an arm wrestle and I just don't think we're going to do so well with that with that approach. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the forwards are pretty as as expected. Was were there anyone that you you maybe thought could come in or could add something a little bit different? Yeah, I guess I thought potentially. Do you choose Cummings over Gilchrist? I I think we sort of talked about it. I feel like Gilchrist is just so solid, but it feels like Cummings ceiling is higher and it's like do you take a risk and and hope that you know Cummings has a really really good game um obviously with the risk being that he doesn't quite he, he can make mistakes but 
anyway, ultimately, I don't think you can sort of complain about it. And then feels like of that back row, the only real question was, is it Darge or Watson? Now, obviously, Watson played well against Romania, but I think I don't think we can really underestimate how poor Romania were, yeah. <laughs> especially in defence. And I think actually appreciate Darge being a li- was a little bit quiet against South Africa. But I think when you look at the preseason matches and his form across the the last year, I, th- I think it's hard to make a case that Watson should start ahead of Darge outside of just, you know, he's been such a great player for the last eight, nine years for Scotland. He might have a big game in him, but I think ultimately the, the right choice is Darge starting at seven. I mean, that's, that's probably the, the selection that has upset people the most, it seems, is the absence of Hamish Watson from the 23. I think one of our friends referred to it as, as, as the rugby public being horrified by their mission, which I thought was a bit, a bit over the top. But um, what do you think is the logic behind that? And yeah, as you said, good game against Romania, but pretty poor opposition. Do, do you think there was a case for having Watson there or... How do you, how do you sort of make sense of that? I think obviously once they've gone for the six two split, I think given the fact Richie Gray can do eighty, and just how dynamic and fit the Irish back row is, I think you ultimately put yourself in a place where right, well this additional forward is going to be our back row. So then your choice is ultimately between Crosby and Watson, and I think. It's it's a super tough one, but ultimately, I don't think what Watson gives you in attack is enough to compensate for a the optionality that Crosby can give you across basically four to eight. His role in the line out, and also actually ultimately Crosby's strengths, especially when it comes to the the breakdown and in defence. So I can I can see how again based off you know the last eight ten years of Watson. And, you know, ultimately what he did against Romania. But I think actually my, my personal view is, is that when you actually sit down and think about it logically, Crosby is just the right choice, given what we might need in that last sort of 20, 30 minutes against Ireland. Yeah, I can definitely buy into that. And, would, and you, in a sense, would you be so, Team Watson? Are you <sighs> Team Crosby? I'm a massive Watson fan and always have been. Um, and he's been so good for Scotland on so many occasions. But... I think combined with that point around just the context of the match um, and the versatility that, that Crosby has in a, in a number of areas. And, and also I feel like, yeah, Watson did very well against um, Romania, but prior to that, he's not really been able to, through a mixture of sort of injury and, and maybe form, almost since the Lions tour actually, hasn't just hasn't been able to string together like that many consistent strong performances so I think it would be different if it was the Hamish Watson of um, 2021 for instance but I just don't know if he's quite at that level at the moment Um, and then I think if you just focus on like the 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 guy who has been selected I think Crosby's maybe like underwhelmed a little bit in his few games but I don't think he's letting anyone down and I'm actually reasonably excited about the thought of him coming off the bench and just being told to be like an absolute nuisance and just unbelievably physical, like maybe run straight at 
Johnny Sexton for a little bit, for instance. Um, and I, I don't think he necessarily has the edge over that Irish back row, but I think having someone that confrontational on the bench is is once again maybe just what we need in the context of the match. Yeah, I agree. And, and I feel really bad for Watson. I think ultimately, if you look at the past decade and you were to pick probably like the top five Scotland players, he, he's in yeah. he's in that list. And I think when you look at the World Cups, you know, he just missed out on on 2015, probably the arrival of like, you know, a Hardy, probably kind of um, squeezed him out. 2019, he got injured in that first match, really yeah, early yeah. in the first half against Ireland. And, you know, now in 2023, he's, he's sort of ultimately a, a squad player starting one match against Romania. I imagine for him, it's, it's obviously incredibly disappointing, just given how central he has been to almost like the resurgence of, of Scottish rugby. Obviously, you've got Hogg and Finn, but actually from a forward standpoint, he really has been kind of one of the, the, the central figures. So I, I, I feel bad for the man. But I think ultimately, when you look at it dispassionately, I think uh, we would have been happy with both. But I can completely understand the logic of how you end up with Crosby on that bench. Yeah. And I, I guess the other sort of talking point on the bench is Ollie Smith included ahead of Carl Stain, for instance. Do you think that's once again just horses for courses or what things are thinking behind that? It's an interesting one. I I sort of had three names in my head. I thought you could go Ollie Smith, Kyle Stain, and and Redpath. Actually, probably Harris. So you got you got sort of four options, and they all sort of have their their pros and cons. Um, and I guess ultimately with Ollie Smith, it's it's just that specialist fullback, and ultimately just given how good Ireland's kicking game is across the backline especially that back three. I guess the the fear is if, if someone does go down early and you have a stain or even a Hugh Jones going to fullback for sort of 60, 70 minutes, it's a pretty tough position to be in. At, at the same time, sort of going with the logic of are we taking kind of risks? You know, as I said, Darcy Graham, there is an argument to say that that is a little bit of a risk, but we're doing it because we're wanting to kind of put an attacking game plan. There is part of me that feels like potentially Stain or even Cam Redpath maybe might have just given you something more off the bench. But at the same time, Ollie Smith's been been pretty good and pretty solid in the matches he's played. And um, I think it's, you could have gone either way, right? Yeah, I I think that's, that's a good point. Um, I'm not. I don't hate the selection, but I I would probably have gone with with Stain just because I think as much as possible you want to get your best players involved, and he has shown himself to be just such a, as you said such a reliable performer for for Scotland in in recent periods. But maybe yeah, having that solidity with Smith at the back might just make a little bit more sense given the kicking game. Um, I guess I, I when I was thinking through who who do you think Tooney would see as third choice fullback in that squad? I thought it might be Hugh Jones. Just given, I mean, yeah, the other options. Or I mean, Darcy. Darcy Darcy has played a little bit of fullback, and I think for a while they were trying to make him that option, but I don't think it's his best position. Yeah, no, I agree. So, 
yeah, Jones did pretty well at fullback for Harlequins. Few appearances off the bench there for Scotland. Yeah, I, um, I think the, the the player that I feel like this tournament's come just a couple two months early is is Redpath. You know, obviously he's been in, he was injured a lot over the last year, and he's um, he's only just sort of been a bit of a bit part player over the last twelve months. But I really feel when he came on against South Africa, when he's played for Scotland previously, and even in that Romania match, he's just such a classic player. And I, I thought potentially he might squeeze onto the bench, and you would ultimately look, you would shift um, you know, Jones back to to fullback. If um, if someone like a Kinghorn went down and you would shift Redpath into that centre, just because I think he is someone that brings a massive sort of point of difference. Um, but it, it's probably just a couple of months too early. I think if he maybe had a few more games playing for Scotland and, and for Bath, he might be more in the conversation. Yeah, I wonder if with Finn going to Bath as well, they'll yeah. develop more of that combination. And he's going to have opportunities in the future, but if Finn can sort of lead a bit of a revival at Bath with bringing Redpath along with him, then we might see that a bit more in Scotland jersey. I mean, overall, without sort of tempting fate, like this is pretty much the strongest squad we can we could pick. And it, do you think it's one of the strongest, just absolute teams that we've that Scotland have managed to put out in kind of recent memory? I, I think so. I, I do understand the, the trepidation around the bench I think when yeah. you I don't think it's as bad as some people have sort of made out um, you know ultimately I think especially someone like Matt Ferguson um, you know Sutherland George Horn these are players who have played in big matches against against England started you know Ferguson started a lot of those big matches I think he'll bring a lot off the bench but I think when you when you look at it and you compare it to Ireland or even maybe some of the benches we've had in the past, it probably just feels a tad weaker. Um, and I think ultimately that that fear is that once once they make that s- switch around the sort of 55, 60 minute mark, given that is a, the period of time in which we have always sort of struggled to live with Ireland, will that ultimately be the differential? You know, it feels like this game could very easily turn into kind of like the, the story we, we always know, which is Scotland are kind of in it with 55, 60 minutes to go and, and then ultimately Ireland sort of pull away um, and end up winning by sort of 12 to, 12 to 15 points. And, it, and it, it feels like Ireland are bringing more off the bench than we are. I suppose looking at that Irish team, um, just a couple of, uh, one change since the South Africa match and that's, Ian Henderson coming in for James Ryan, who drops to the bench. Um, and then Henshaw also dropping out through injury with McCluskey coming on. You know, on a on a head-to-head basis, are there any Scots that you're putting in that Irish team? Be honest. On, on the bench or in the starting team? In the starting team. O- overall. I think, and we, we discussed it a little bit, I, I don't think Andy Farrell... I think it's an argument that suggests that Andy Farrell wouldn't pick any of the Scotland 15 ahead of the starting Irish 15. Um, and that includes the wingers just because of how Andy Farrell plays. I, I personally yeah. think that there is an argument that at 40, uh, on both wings, 
at 10. Maybe Richie over Ian Henderson. And then I think there's an argument to suggest you would look, you could fit like a Dodge in when he's on form ahead of Omani. But mm. I, yeah. I, you're not, I don't think you're going to convince many people with that argument. I don't really like Omani. <laughs> I know. I, I think, but I would think, love if he, I don't like him at all, but I would love if we played for Scotland probably. Yeah. I think, ultimately, I think you would, you would definitely pick probably Duhan. Ahead of Mac, I think Russell <laughs> yeah, does just I, just get ahead of Sexton, and I think potentially Richard Gray goes in ahead of Ian Henderson. Yeah, I think as you say, it's maybe not actually that useful a question because of the different styles, and like Townsend might not pick Sexton, for instance, um, and I reckon Farrell wouldn't have Russell because he wouldn't suit how they how Ireland play. Um, yeah, I think in terms of like. It's really frustrating. We've had this conversation before around how that question of how Mac Hansen is actually that good. Um, and you'd think that Duhan would have the edge on him massively. But Hansen's like rugby intelligence, I think, you know, the last time they played, that came out um, and sort of allowed him to have the edge on the day. Um, yeah. May, maybe ahead of Lowe. I mean, Lowe's Lowe class as well, but um, just for like pure impact, and then beyond that, I'd I'd struggle a little bit. Like maybe, maybe Schumann and I mean Porter is a very good player, but maybe Schumann and Porter might have a good head to head. Yeah. Um. I get beyond I that, it's, it's difficult. Flipping the question round, if you could take one player from that Ireland team for the Scotland team, who would it be? I think. Either it'd be a forward, and it would be one of Vanderfleer, Byrne, or Furlong. I think. Yeah, I think where we struggled with Ireland and other teams um, recently is a lot of it's at the breakdown, and I think that Vanderfleer and Vanderfleer and, and Byrne are like two of the best at that um, at pilfering ball, and you know I like Ferguson a lot, but. Furlong just gives you that like scrum platform that like like no one else, I guess. Agreed. Uh, yeah, agreed. And I I think that probably is an interesting kind of point to then go into just the breakdown in general. And I think ultimately, you know, this is by a considerable margin the biggest match in, in Jamie Ritchie's career. Yeah. You go. Yeah. And you know, and the biggest match, obviously, in Dodge's very young career. We've obviously got two players, which they probably had two matches that you can almost kind of use as a barometer of, 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 for this match. One is the South Africa match, where they got completely blown away, weren't able to do anything in terms of turnovers, weren't able to slow down the South African ball, and I think in a lot of ways struggled to protect our ball. And then you've got the France match in pre-season, where actually both players managed to get some traction. In um, at the breakdown. Now, the, I guess the good thing from that is it's the same ref yeah, that we yeah. had in that Scotland-France match. So when it comes to the breakdown, you'd like to think that Richie and Darge would be confident that they have the styles that uh, are made to hopefully succeed with Nick Nick Berry as a ref. But my fear is 
is, and what's happened before with Ireland, is if we just can't slow that ball down or we can't get turnovers at key moments, then I just don't see a way in which we can we can beat them. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, I mean, I suppose it leads on to a broader question of, you know, beyond the breakdown, obviously that is so critical. But is there anything else that we, we've got in our locker that means that we, c- we, can, we can beat this Irish side? Like, I suppose, beyond the breakdown, like, what else do we need to, to do? What can you envis- how do you envisage us beating that, that team? I do think I was sort of looking back at the the All Six Nations match match from last year, and and we did get traction, kind of getting outside thirteen. You remember when um, Duhan sort of came round? I think I think two things I'd like us to do. One is early doors is really just getting Sione and Duhan hitting the line hard. I think both players still don't quite. We still haven't quite managed to utilise them in the right way in terms of getting over the game line, especially kind yeah. of how Ireland use like Bundyaki, for example. And and so I think using them effectively to be able to set up a platform for Finn to do what Finn does is just a really key um, key for us. And I think probably more so key for us than it would be for Ireland, just because we don't quite have the carrying power in the forwards as a, as an Ireland does. No. Yeah. Whether Sorry. we whether that gives us the advantage, whether that's an area of advantage, I don't know, but it feels like that is is a relatively sort of key area for us. I think the other the other one is I don't don't think that we got it going against South Africa at all was the attacking kicking game, um, and I think that South Africa employed that rush defence which we tried to sort of go round or through, and that really didn't work. And although Ireland employ a different, slightly different approach, I think they'll be looking to do the same. Their, their defence is very strong, line speed is very quick. So I think once again we got a little bit of joy with that approach the last time we played Ireland. So I'd really like to see, you know, maybe start the game off with a few hit-ups through Sione and then for Finn to bring the defence onto him and try a few of those kicks for, for Jones, Darcy, etc., because um, as we talked about, I think we're going to have to, we're not going to win the game through an arm wrestle. We obviously have to get set piece right. And the, the line out is probably a really key area that um, was a big issue against South Africa and against Ireland when we last played them. Um, but I think we, you know, we can't die wondering, I guess, which is 100%. obviously risky, obviously risky. And I think arguably what this World Cup has shown so far is that playing too much with the ball doesn't really work because I think mainly because of the conditions that have made that ball slippy due to the humidity. Um, so that's one of my slight worries that we, you know, we have to win by a certain amount. We might try and do a little bit too much and Ireland can deal with that. They'll be quite happy with us having the ball for long periods if we're not going anywhere. Yeah. No, completely agree. And I think actually that was one of the disappointing things of that South Africa match is Finn sort of did that crossfield kick once to to Darcy Graham, which sort of just went over into touch. Yeah, but very marginally actually, it was it was broadly like a it was not far off being a pretty perfect kick. 
But then after that happened and we made that mistake, we didn't seem to do any of that again. And that felt like a bit of a mistake to a point. It, it felt if we if we were going to break down South Africa, then we needed to really stretch them and kind of have and, and put a few more of those types of tactical kicks through um, to break down to break down their defence. So no, I agree. I think you know ultimately Finn's the best in the business at it, and as long as we can get close to parity, I think that's got to be the way in which we're going to beat a team which is ultimately insanely organised when it comes to defence, right? If we did win, and we'll come on to predictions, if we did win, would it be the greatest win in the modern pro era? If we win by more than seven? By Yes, yes. Greatest win in the pro... I think... It's definitely the greatest. It would definitely be the greatest win, I think, since the Six Nations <laughs> happened. I'm trying to think whether you could like argue there was wins at like the '99 Five Nations. Obviously, we won a trophy. Yeah, right, probably discarding. Is, uh, I'm probably discarding that because it was maybe semi-pro from 2000 onwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I think ultimately, in terms of the history between Scotland and Ireland, especially over the last kind of probably say eight to nine years, are relationship with them in terms of constantly being beaten up con you know outside of 2017 the, the fact that sexton's not lost to a scottish team in 24 games in a yeah. row 12 years 12 years he never lost <laughs> just given our our issues with ireland as a team and i think then just given and given the pressure and the requirement to not only win but to get more than seven points I think ultimately it, it, it hands down is would be a bigger win than than even beating England at Twickenham last you know, um back sort of three years ago when it was the first win in, in 32, 30, 34 years. Mm. You know, ultimately that that is a great win, but in terms of stakes, this is as high as it gets, right? And I think in terms of opponent, it's an opponent. It's actually a much more difficult opponent than than England yeah. were three years ago. <laughs> And you don't only have to win, you got to win by eight or more. Yeah. <laughs> they're, so, al- yeah. they're also, as we were discussing before the podcast, they're also our fiercest rivals at the moment. And I know you've, <laughs> you've got a lot to say on the on the, str- the strength, the fierceness of that Scottish-Irish rivalry. Yeah. I, I just think it's, it's, it, I've, I've shifted from almost reveling in the Scottish-Irish rivalry to almost finding it a little bit painful. And yeah. and actually, I think that's on both sides, right? I think we've we've both taken it too far. I think post World Cup, whatever happens, we've got to come back together, have a bit of an intervention, sit down, mediation, and ultimately remember that who 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 what it's really about, which is how much we hate England and Wales, <laughs> and yeah. becoming friends again. Because yeah, just I've actually found a, a bit of the narrative pre match across both sides of the the fan spectrum, just like. I don't know what the right word is, but just a little bit painful. Um, at the same time, if Scotland beat Ireland, I'm sure we will be 100% contributing to that discourse online. <laughs> oh yeah, got got one of those one of those tweets with like a lineup of all famous Irish people, and then like your boys took one hell of a beating. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've yeah we've been writing that one for a while, but um, and then just every every article the Irish media have like ever said negatively about Scotland, and then that. 
um, meme of like Brian Cox being like, oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. The one, I think particularly the one of Ronan O'Gara saying that we were too mouthy. Yeah. Like that, that would be trotted out, which would be enjoyable. 100%. And you just know Finn's pulling some sweet sort of look afterwards that's yeah. going to go completely viral. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the, the other day, let's, Maybe we move on to predictions, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Um, no, no, it's good. You, on a WhatsApp group the other week, I'm going to throw you under the bus here. You you said that Scotland had a 2 to 3% chance of winning. Yeah. Were you, were you was that tongue-in-cheek? Have you revised that at all, or are you still sticking by that? I, I think there is less, definitely less than a 10% chance. I mean, ultimately... You said, what, Sexton's not lost to Scotland in 11 matches, the number one in the world, yeah. and we've got to beat them by more than eight. I think just for Scotland to win, I think there's a fair argument to suggest, you know, it's a 15% chance. And then I think when you think about the fact you've got to score more than eight, I think the two stats that came out was Scotland haven't beaten Ireland by more than eight points, by more than seven points, sorry, since 2001. And Ireland have only lost by more than seven points once in the last three years, which was that first match to New Zealand away, which is it just gives you, you know, yeah. the issue isn't just beating them. It's the fact that it's, it's hard to kind of get that clear a gap. And I think actually when you put that all together, I, I think a fair odds is, is probably... Maybe not two, but I think less than five is a pretty fair um, position to get to. So you think if if they played a hundred times, Scotland would win less than five? I think yeah, probably like three or four. I think you'd probably win maybe let's say twelve to fifteen times. That just seems teams. like yeah. When you put it that way, it just seems so grim. Yeah, which will make the win even sweeter. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit too pessimistic, but I think I've, we've gone through these cycles before, especially with Ireland, right? <laughs> Where you sort of convince yourself, and I, I do this as well, right? When Ireland were away in New Zealand, I was like, New Zealand, and New Zealand beat them in the first match. I was like, I just don't think this Ireland team's that, that good, or at least it's yeah. not that good. And then they beat, they beat New Zealand 2-1 in an away series. Again, with that South Africa match, you know, ultimately, I, again, I probably went into that thinking South Africa was like favourites, and, and Ireland, you know, have a way of not only winning, but I think again the issue for us in terms of winning by more than seven is they just stay. They they they're never you know no one's ever kind of getting away from them, and that's that's my fear is you know even if by some miracle not miracle but we're able to win the match I just really struggle to see how we get it to that sort of plus seven. I mean, uh, I've less than five percent chance pretty much is calling for a miracle. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know I know what you mean. It's it is easy to to build it up and it's the perennial building up hope of Scottish rugby and you know, as you said, like it, it is it's one of the strongest teams we could possibly put out. Um but then you look at the cold hard facts of our record against Ireland, dr- driven by the style of rugby that they play which, similar to South Africa, is just our absolute kryptonite. Yeah. So it is, when you try and approach it in a cold-hearted, rational way, like, it is it is difficult to 
to envisage a victory, sadly. Yeah. I think chance of um, hitting blackjack with your first two cards is 4.8%. So I just think about it like that, you know? There you go. That's what I'm looking <laughs> I mean, I do, I do feel, you know, we're, we're owed a bit of good luck. So maybe there's like a red card. That would be nice. Yeah, obviously that shifts the dial like quite massively. But you've got to remember, I mean, we literally played them last year. They didn't have a hooker on the pitch. Yeah, like, oh, no, I remember. Uh-huh. I remember. <laughs> and, and we weren't able to break down this team. And Oh, yeah, I think a, an extra man would, would not guarantee a win. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I think... The, I, would you choose an interception try or losing a match... Interception try in, like, the first five, ten minutes or... You know, a red card, and the the rationale, the reason I'm sort of thinking is, there's a part of me that feels like we need to we need to get ahead. Yeah. I feel like if we get behind, we're just never getting there. And it's like if we can yeah. somehow just catch them cold in the first five ten minutes, get whether it's you know seven ten point lead, then a bit of doubt starts to creep in, and we can sort of hopefully try and imprint our game plan. My fear is, is that we end up, you know, 35 minutes in, you're sort of 8-3 down, and we're just constantly yeah. chasing the match. And I'm just so good at game management and kind of just continuing to build that score that even if we win the match, we're just never going to be able to get that plus seven difference. So there's almost a part of me that thinks, you know, in terms of value to Scotland there's almost more value in some sort of like breakaway try in the first 10 minutes that gives us that lead rather than them losing a man. And then maybe we extend the lead with a penalty. Yeah. And then I think, I think that's what needs to happen. I think we need to somehow, which is, this is the big, (laughs) big, like somehow get, get to a position where Ireland are behind and chasing the game a little bit, because I don't think their team is built to do that. Yeah. But that's a big ask. So what do you think? What do you think then? What, what's your What's your prediction? <laughs> Most likely outcome, I think, is is Ireland win. I think actually, I don't think you'll see a scenario in which we're behind and then they shift away. I think the most likely scenario is it's about even, and they end up shifting maybe five to to seven points ahead at the end. So I think I. Probably go, I think probably one try a piece, and you're looking at a sort of 23-18 to Ireland win. Yeah, I mean, what's what's been the average gap? It was 12.5 points in the last however many games. I, I could kind of see that, to be perfectly honest. I think if you approach it rationally, Ireland probably are What's the gap between first and fifth in the world? Probably something like that. If not, yeah. maybe a little bit more. Um, I also have this... It would be very, very funny, slash grim, if we beat them by six. Or five or something. And then we still went out. But yeah. <laughs> it would be quite funny. It, be good for, would it be funny? For, I'm not sure. Would, I think it would be quite funny. It would, get us great engage- it would get us great engagement, which is That's you know, true. a measure of, of how funny things are. <laughs> but it, I, I initially said that I thought a win 
but less than seven was worse than a loss. But I actually don't think that's the case. I think, you know, whilst obviously it's not great, you know, I'd prefer us to win by four than than lose <laughs> the match, well, yeah. even if it means we get we get knocked out. Yeah, it's, um, I guess the reason I didn't think we'd lose by sort of twelve plus is I I think Ireland have already got an eye on the quarterfinal, and they're thinking about New Zealand. Because ultimately yeah. they got beat. They got beaten by what thirty points, right? The last quarter final. For us, this is our final. Um, yeah. And you'd like to think that that brings it closer together. Whether that's enough for us to win, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. But you got to think that there is a little bit of an edge that Scotland have. That you know this is is you know this is the World Cup final. I think for Scotland. Um, Com- yeah. Com- combined with how much. Ireland had to put into that South Africa game. Yeah. That potentially at the emotional level, we can, we can derive something from this. But I, but I also get the sense that like an Andy Farrell team like Ireland just, they're not going to let that happen. Yeah. Like they're, they'll, they'll get that build up right. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But that's maybe the, something to cling on to. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I'm already really, really nervous about it, which is which is fun. And an eight o'clock kickoff as well. We nervous about it all Saturday. Yeah, I know. Agreed. It'd be um, it'd be great for like Samoa just to beat England and match football. Really settle the nerves. Sort of inject a little bit of humour into yeah. the pre-match. Sort of. Um... Yeah. No, you, you can take something from the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, it'd be good. It's um, it does it did. I guess if we did get knocked out, though, it just, it never felt, probably would quite feel like the World Cup ever really quite started for Scotland. It's just almost like that South Africa match happened, then there was a yeah. two-week break. Tonga, yeah, fine, Romania, and then we're out. And, I don't know, it's um, it's obviously a bit disappointing, but it's, it's it just feels like we're not, Scotland haven't even quite kind of gotten to the, the groove yet. Um, yeah, that's, that's been my fear. Like immediately post losing that South Africa game, <laughs> the odds were already stacked against us, and yeah. we could go out without having fired a shot. But maybe, maybe, maybe that adds another element where you know it's it's do or die. We've got to give it a crack, and with yeah. Finn Russell at the helm, you you never know. I guess agreed. And then if we win, we've got France in the um, in the quarters, which would be fun. I mean, I'd rather play France than Ireland, probably, or South Africa. You'd rather play France than New Zealand? Possibly, yeah, because we've beaten France. And although New Zealand aren't as good as they were, we we had never beaten them, so... I know we're getting so far ahead of us. Well, yeah, let's... uh, (laughs) But but I I agree, actually. I think Scotland, not obviously, again, I I think of the four, especially with Dupont injured, Intermac out, and... um, Marchand especially out. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give it, I think take a crack at it. <laughs> can't, I can't wait. Next it's week. gonna be great. That's for next yeah. week. Be a great yeah, match. Exactly. <laughs> right, should we should we leave it there? Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. Well thank you very much everyone for listening. Um once again, next time we record is up in the air. Semi regular of a review pod next week with all three. If, uh, That'd be good if, if Dave's recovery goes ahead of schedule. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. Um, hope he's doing all right. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, 
bring on Saturday. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> See you later. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.